Let's see, I got, uh, I got the chips, I got salsa, I got the trail mix, the, uh, the grill is warm, the, cool, the cooler is full, I think, hey, what's up guys? Glad you made it. Hey, welcome to, uh, to my backyard barbecue. Glad you're, glad you're here today. Hey, a friend is coming over. I got to tell you real quick, just you guys got to act cool. He's not a church guy, all right? I got a buddy who's coming over uh, today, and uh, he gets a little nervous around like, you know, Christian people, but I thought, you know, I might as well invite him to this series on evangelism uh, because we're talking about uh, sharing our faith with non-Christian friends and family members. And a lot of people, when they hear that word evangelism, kind of bug out a little bit, right? They get all uptight because they think of like televangelists with big hair and, uh, you know, the kind of the guys who make the good news sound like bad news. But the reality is sharing your faith with like a friend or a neighbor who's not a Christian, we really believe it shouldn't be awkward or uncomfortable. The idea behind this series is that evangelism can be as natural as kind of grilling in your backyard with a friend or sharing your faith over a cold drink, uh, just like Jesus did. In a way, that's just kind of very natural and invites questions. So I want to demonstrate that for you today. So what I did is I invited the most hardcore pagan I know, okay? It's my friend from college. We used to call him Magic Mike, Yo, but to, hey, what's, what's up, up, Mike? Jimmy? Oh, hey, what's... How you doing? <laughs> Good to see what's you, man. On? Listen, I love Dude, glad you, you made it. You got some snacks, man. Uh, ready it's to go great. here, buddy. And Nothing like, but the uh, best. Who are all these people? Oh, yeah, sorry. My friends, guys, this is Mike. Everyone say hi to Mike. What's there up? are friends here and everything. Sam, there are people? two Jacksons here. Uh, what, yeah, welcome. One, do you uh, want yeah, uh, you want something to drink here? I got. Uh, let me see what you I got, got lemonade. I got Snapple. Snapple. Snapple, and I got the hard uh, lemonade. What? Yeah, uh, oh, look, it says Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's That's got your name on it. It's got your name on All it. Okay, right. fair enough, fair enough. Well, uh, awesome. Well, I'm glad you're here, buddy. Glad you're here for, you need a little help with that? Here, give me that thing. Let me see. Uh, yeah, I guess maybe I do. Yeah, let me, I get, ready? Sun's out, guns out. Oh, now I don't feel so bad. I can't work it. You know what? My kids gave me these flip-flops. Have you ever seen oh. these? They got like a little bottle opener. Mine, mine doesn't if have I can. that. There we go. Hold mine on, hold on. There we go. Hey, there you go, buddy. That, Cheers. That's what I'm Cheers. talking about. Cheers. Awesome. Yeah. Happy summer. Oh, so how are you guys doing? All right? Oh, uh, yeah. Good we're summer doing all so right. far? Good summer. You know, heading down the beach a little bit and uh, doing some concerts. Got oh, I see you got the U2 shrine. Did you go see them? Giant Stadium? Dude, best show ever. The best. We had seats in the front row. Are you kidding me? Of the upper deck. Okay. <laughs> we tailgated. Uh, we went to see you two, and it was crazy because we left for family vacation at 6 a.m. the next day. That's it was aggressive. just like, yeah, it was very, very aggressive. aggressive. Uh, we actually went to, um, we flew out to Las Vegas, believe it or not, not for Vegas, but we uh, rented an RV. Las Vegas is no, 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 no. Listen, we rented an RV, okay. and we actually drove down to the Grand Canyon. Oh. Wow. Yeah, that man. That is awesome. It's a big so, deal. Now, you were driving the RV? And the whole thing, dude. It was all aw- right. It was actually awesome. Dude, yeah, let me show you. Pictures? Yeah, take a look. Oh, um, picture I'll show you on the phone here. Okay, so this is us down in there. It's got, you know, it was a red rocks, yeah, blue yeah, yeah. sky. Oh, I don't, that is sweet. It's this unbelievable. Is, uh, this is not Jersey. Folks. No, this let is not. This you. is Sedona, Arizona, but watch all this. Right. This is how Horseshoe... Uh, Horseshoe Bend. This is where you can see the Colorado. Oh, dude, and it was that. like just sitting there and seeing the blue sky, yeah. the red rocks, the Colorado River is like emerald. I looked at it, I'm like, how can anyone like, you know, see this beauty and not believe in God? It really was stunning. Okay, well, whatever, but that's cool. This, okay. All right, this one is, I took this shot uh, out of the front windshield, oh, dude, the RV. That is beautiful. Now, I know you're a picture guy. Were you driving? 
When you took that? I was at college driving. I snapped All up. Right. This was in the Joshua Tree National Forest. Oh, wait, that's not it the was, concert? This, yeah, exactly. It's, it was gorgeous, dude. I, are you guys yeah. going away this summer? Uh, yeah, you know, we're doing a little staycation this year. I got a kid oh. heading off to school. Okay. So, you know, kind of preparing for that. And then uh, my mom's got a little bit of the uh, chemo thing going on. Oh, uh, sorry. Not great. What's going on? Uh, all right, so she got diagnosed last fall. Yep. Um, and uh, so she's doing the chemo, the radiation, the whole nine, and uh, you know, losing her hair, losing her appetite. My dad's pretty banged up about it, and yeah, it's, it's not good. Yeah, that's the worst, dude. I totally get that. I remember um, chips. You want to see? I'm coming back. I, re <laughs> um, I remember when um, when my dad was diagnosed like with lymphoma. He had yeah, um, yeah he did, went through chemo three or four times. And every time was like a little bit worse. It like it started impacting his memory. But he, it's not like names. He, like he couldn't uh, remember how to brush his teeth. It was very super hard on my mom. I don't think we would have survived, honestly, if, if we didn't have faith. Well, uh, I think I saw on Facebook, I think you're a pastor. And so, it, dude, you got to use that like hotline to heaven. You got to have a connection. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, it's funny. It's like the... The cancer care thing is like up and down. It's like kind of like a roller coaster of emotions. Yeah. But honestly, it was like every morning we had to pray, like, God, give us peace for this day. Mm. 24 hours, you know? Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, I don't yeah. know how your dad is, but like, we couldn't even think like 24 days ahead. We're like, could you just give us strength for today? Could you know, you, could you give us, you know, peace for today? You know, we prayed, we asked God to heal my dad. We asked God everything in that so whole did, process. So did like God do the healing thing? Well, it was remarkable. My they had given my dad about like four to five years, okay. and God added 15 years to his life. It was wow. really incredible. Uh, we saw is. God do some, some big things. He passed away four years ago, oh, but I'm it was sorry. funny because our, well, you know, we, I very much miss him, like even talking about him, like, yeah, that was very painful, oh, yeah. but it was like a celebration. His funeral was like, because that's like, we know we're going to see him again, you know? Well, let me tell you, if there is anybody that's getting into heaven, it's your dad. That dude was a good, he was the nicest guy I know. So he's got to have, you know, he's in, right? Well, you know, going to heaven isn't like about being a good person. It's about trusting God, right? Like the, really? well, you know, like that's my earthly father, but we believe like we have a heavenly father and that we all kind of fall short, right? right. At least I do of what God's plan is for our life. And that's why he sends his son, Jesus, uh, who reconnects with him. So it's like, I, we don't have just hope for this life, but faith in Christ gives us hope for the life to come. Wow, that's, uh, that's a lot of Jesus stuff. I'm not sure I'm all in on the Jesus thing. <laughs> why, why not? Why not? Uh, well, for starters, uh, I'm Jewish. I mean, <laughs> mazel tov. Come on, man. Okay. The, the Irish Jewish. Okay, yeah, I know, I know that. I'm sure. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, uh, Jesus was a great help to our family, and he can help yours. I, in fact, I'd be happy to pray for you. Can I pray for you and your mom? Uh, oh, like right here? Yeah. Right, right now? Here. Yeah, like nothing can, weird. Like, can I, do I have to put this down? You can just, you just hold. I'll just pray for you, all right? Nothing okay. weird. Nothing weird. God, I just pray for my brother Mike, Lord. Uh, thanks that he came today. I pray that, um, God, you'll be with him and even his dad as they care for his mom. And, God, that you would uh, seek fit to just give your peace. Uh, even as they walk through this cancer journey. Make them aware of your presence, how much you love them. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, thank, thank you. Was that all? I didn't, I didn't mean to make you feel awkward. Was you know, that awkward? It was, I'm not going to lie, it was a little awkward, but, dude, thank you very much. That, that actually was, was really nice. I, uh, I appreciate that. I'm glad you came, bud. Uh, I do have a question. Yeah. Uh, I got the sweet. I need a little salty, and I see you got snacks oh, over I there. Oh, dude, I got Tostitos. I got Pringles. Uh, I got uh, Doritos. Pringles. I got, I got what I need. 
All right, that's your jam. It was great seeing you. Dude, Thanks good to see you, man. Absolutely. Glad you came, I appreciate came, it. And I hear there's a little pool. Take a dip, man. Jump in the pool. I'll be there in a few minutes. No speedos. Nobody needs to see that. All right, very good. Magic Mike, everybody. Cheers. Can you thank Mike for coming? Come on. It's great to have Mike with us. <laughs> see, guys, it doesn't have to be awkward, right? I mean, the reality is sharing your faith can be natural as just sharing your story, listening to what's going on in other people's lives, just grilling hot dogs or having a barbecue or down the beach. At least that's how Jesus modeled it for his followers. Uh, last week we saw this, right, in his interaction with the, the woman at the well, right, where Jesus sat down and, and began sharing about the hope by just simply saying, hey, you, you want something to drink? And if you read through the Gospels, you'll see Jesus never made people feel awkward or uncomfortable. He didn't pressure them into, like, accepting me. Uh, he, instead, he accepted them. He met them where they were. And he listened to their stories, and then he, he listened to their hurts and their hopes. And the reality is he ministered the love and power of God at their point of greatest need. And that's what you and I are called to do as Christ followers in our friendships with non-Christian friends and family. We, we're supposed to avoid the extremes. In other words, we're not supposed to kind of grill them with the gospel but we also don't have to, you know, shy away from sharing our faith and just sharing naturally the difference that Jesus makes in our lives. According to Jesus, evangelism should be natural, not forced. It should be organic, not manufactured. It's not about like preaching and telling people what you need to believe. Rather, it begins with listening, right? Listening, sitting down, listening to their story, asking questions that dive a little bit deeper than the surface and seeing where God is already at work. Because did you know, when you think of the, the non-Christian friends or family members you have, you may be like, man, I don't know if there's any hope for them. You are so mistaken. The Holy Spirit is already at work in their lives. Did you know that? God is always at his work, whether we know it or not. I want to show you what I'm talking about. So if you want to take your Bible or open your program notes, we're going to look at Mark chapter 4 today. And this is where Jesus tells a story about the organic process of evangelism. It's called the parable of the growing seed. And this is kind of a great description of how sharing our faith is supposed to be very organic and we have to trust the Holy Spirit to actually do the heavy lifting. So the pressure is off. Look at verse 26. Here's what it says. Jesus also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters what? What's this word? Say it together. Seed on the ground. Verse 27. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and what does it do? It grows though he doesn't know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because what's come? The harvest has come. So Jesus is like, hey, I want to give you a picture of what organic evangelism is supposed to look like. And first off, notice he uses an example that's organic, right? It's from nature. He uses what? Uh, seeds here, right? So uh, let's see what we got here. I've got trail mix. Uh, that is our get. Well, here's seeds, okay? Sunflower seeds. Who likes sunflower seeds? Raise your hand if you like sunflower seeds. James, God bless you. Happy birthday, my friend. There you go. Anyone else over here? Jackson, there you go. God bless you. You can keep it. Keep it. I know. If you find some others on the ground, enjoy. Uh, Jesus tells a story about a guy who kind of scatters seed, right? Now, have you ever scattered like uh, grass seed in your lawn? Like if you ever plant like your lawn, you, you, you go like this. When you plant your lawn, do you go like this? You go, one blade of grass here, one here. What? Of course not. 
you do what's called broadcasting. This is where you get the word broadcast from. Literally, farmers would broadcast seed. They'd fling it like this, and they'd be like, some of it we know is going to fall on the soil and go, you know some of it's going to fall in the driveway. Other parts, you know, the birds are going to eat it. But the point is, the belief is that at some point, these seeds of faith that we scatter with our family and friends, watch what's going to happen. God is going to be working behind the scenes. Verse 27 says, Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he doesn't know how. In other words, Jesus is saying, the path to faith is supernatural at its core. Although you and I play a part in this, we, our job is we just have natural conversations with family and friends. But the way that they come to faith in Jesus is supernatural. That is, it is 100% dependent on the Holy Spirit. See, anytime somebody becomes a Christian, what I mean is they move from just this idea about religion, putting their faith in Christ. He is my personal Lord and Savior. It's never the result of our efforts that we play a part. It is always the Holy Spirit who is germinating their faith, working behind the scenes, underground, out of sight, where we can't see. See, organic evangelism is not about a secret formula. There's no, like, script to memorize. It's not like a secret recipe to get people to cross the line of faith. Every person here, has their own unique journey to know Jesus Christ, and it is directed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Our job is simply to plant seeds naturally and trust the Holy Spirit to grow faith supernaturally. I saw a great example of this with uh, two women on our Morris County campus, Kelly and Lourdes. Can we hear it for them? They're amazing women. (laughs) Kelly Laws. Kelly's a brand new believer, and she has such a cool story. She's actually co-workers uh, with Lourdes, who works in a, in a doctor's office in her nine-to-five job, and she actually uh, helps lead our guest connections team in Morris County. And uh, it was very interesting because Lourdes oftentimes will take, like, the pens. You know the pens we put, uh, give you guys that say, faith is a journey, not a guilt trip. She kind of collects the pens, and I know, by the way, we have pen hoarders here. I know who you are, okay? I, I, get, I get that. But that's okay. Our pens are meant to be stolen, okay? You don't have to feel bad about it. But she, uh, she kind of uses those pens as like her seed. She puts them on her desk, you know, gives them out at work and, and stuff and everything. And, uh, and last year, Kelly was going through some struggles, you know, in, in her family's life. And Lourdes he said, hey, why don't you come to church with me on Easter? And she came and she loved it. It was actually, you know, very relevant. It kind of made sense to her. And, uh, but she didn't come back right away. And so Lourdes, you know, would always stop by her desk and say, hey, what's going on? Let's pray right now for that. And she would start praying with her. And then we did uh, that freeway series. She invited Kelly, said, would you want to come to my small group? It's like, you know, eight or ten people. We just we kind of pray and talk about real-life issues. And Kelly came, and she loved it. That was like the thing for her because she realized Christians you can be very honest with because they don't have judgment. You can be an open book. And so people in that small group started praying for Kelly, uh, for her son, for her family issues. And Kelly will tell you she started seeing a lot of those prayers answered. And that was the decisive moment because she started coming. And Sunday after Sunday, she started hearing the word of God. That seed was planted, being watered. And guess what? During the Label Maker series this Easter, she prayed to receive Christ as her Lord and Savior. Pretty cool, right? That's an amazing story. That is such a... And here's what's even the cooler part. Kelly uh, is actually waiting for Parsippany to open because she's like, I want to be one of the first people baptized in our new church home. But that's how God and the Holy Spirit work. He works through an organic friendship. What did, what did Lourdes supernaturally do? Nothing. She just naturally shared with her friend. She prayed for her friend, and she got to see God do a miraculous work of salvation in her friend's life. 
So understand, evangelism is a supernatural process from start to finish, but it is led by the Holy Spirit as we partner with God. Our job literally is to just scatter seeds at work, at the gym, at yoga, in our backyard, at the beach, and just tell people, what's the difference that Christ made in our lives? And guess what? When you are faithful to scatter seeds in a natural way, people respond organically. Second principle from Jesus' parable, he says, the path to faith is organic. Now, you guys know what organic means, right? What, like these seeds, right? 100% organic. What does it mean? They are 100% what? Natural, right? They're not artificial. They're not manufactured. Now, these bag of Doritos here, on the other hand, uh, heat wave, chipotle, cream, then heat, okay? 100% not organic, okay? Look at how Jesus describes the process. He says, all by itself, the soil produces grain first, and then he uses a, a seed. He says the stalk comes out, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. So notice Jesus actually names here five different stages of growth that a single seed goes through, right? He's like, you put the seed in, then the stalk pops up, the head, the kernel, the ripe grain. Five different stages of growth for a seed of faith. What's the point? Evangelism is not this like one-time event. It, it's never like, okay, say these magic words, pray this prayer, and voila, new Christian, right? Rather, it's this natural process that goes through five different stages. Last week, I mentioned to you the book, I Once Was Lost, what skeptics taught us about their path to Jesus. And the authors listened to the stories of 2,000 different people who were once non-Christians, some agnostics, some atheists, they had nothing to do with God, faith, religion. But over time, they'd come to know Christ personally as their Lord and Savior. And so what the authors found is, as they interviewed 2,000 people, everyone had a different story. But the majority of them went through five stages of growth, what they call the five thresholds. If you're taking notes, I kind of outlined this in your program notes. The first threshold that most non-Christians pass through on their journey to Jesus is moving from distrust of Christians to trusting a Christian. In other words, most people, before they trust Christ, they have to learn to trust a Christian first, right? Uh, they may have had a negative experience. They may have a stereotype in their head. But the first threshold is when they realize, you know what? All Christians are not religious wackadoodles, right? As I sometimes think so on cable news, right? They watch that. But then all of a sudden they meet Sam, and Sam's not totally crazy, right? She's like a cool, you know, chick, and we work out together and all that. And then that seed, that's the first seed, that gets planted. That actually happened with my wife. We have a, uh, a mutual friend who I think would probably describe herself as agnostic. She kind of grew up in Christianity. She was taught was like, you know, that's for weak people. Uh, religion is a crutch. You know, Christians are non-thinkers. They judge people. And then she met my wife, Colleen, who's like one of the most non-judgmental, uh, very strong, very compassionate woman. And they became friends, started working together, got out to coffee, and she trusted her. And she would say that was the first time I ever met an evangelical Christian who didn't give me the heebie-jeebies. That was her language. Makes sense, right? I mean, think about how you came to know Jesus Christ if you are a Christian. You probably first got to know somebody who was committed to following Jesus, and you trusted them. That's the first threshold, distrust to trust in Christian, and that's a massive leap. And then the next threshold is moving from complacent or not interested in spiritual issues, to curious. In other words, the stalk comes up. They, they poke their head up. They, they kind of start asking questions. Instead of not caring about faith, they actually start feeling curious. 
That happened during the Seven Churches of Revelation series. Our friend began actually opening the Bible, reading God's word. She's like, what does that mean? Who is this real Jesus? And she started looking stuff up online, which presented a whole new set of issues uh, for us. But uh, that third threshold that non-Christians then pass in the journey of Jesus is moving from closed to open to change. And this is the hardest threshold to cross. She kept asking questions about Jesus. She was curious, but she wouldn't necessarily say she was open at that point at applying that truth to her life. That's, this is kind of the off limits at this point. Because a lot of people, it's like when you're like, you know, looking for a new car, you know, we're kicking the tires, we're, we're just browsing, we're not buying, you know? Earlier in Mark 4, Jesus talks about the seed that's scattered among thorns. And as it grows, he says, there are certain things that kind of can choke it out at this point. He says the, what, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. So Jesus is like, you can scatter seed, but understand not all of it's going to sprout up. There's a lot of obstacles. He mentions a couple here. He says the, the worries of this life. He says one of the issues, honestly, is people are considering Jesus start worrying, what are other people going to think? They start thinking, you know, getting anxious about that or fearful. Well, will people lump me in with, you know, what they think now I'm into right-wing politics, the worries of this life. Or he says the deceitfulness of wealth. He's like, honestly, if a person is rich uh, or affluent, that can be a big barrier to faith growing. That's why Jesus said it's very hard for a rich person to enter heaven. Why? Because typically there's no like burning platform or crisis in their life that money can't solve at some level. And so the seed is, is, is unfruitful, but understand it's always germinating. The seed sprouts into a stalk, it grows ahead than the kernel, which they say is threshold number four. Moving from meandering to actively seeking. Seeking answers. Most non-Christians don't want to make decisions right away, right? They don't want to be strong-armed. They're just browsing, not looking, you know, to, to really own it anytime soon. But this stage of growth, guys, is when a person moves from, like, generic ideas or thoughts to really seeking answers to the truly big questions of life. Like, who is Jesus really? What happens when we die? And then it can get very personal. What, if you say God is really loving, why did he let my nine-year-old nephew die of leukemia? They're seeking answers, to the big questions. And that is when the ground is now ready for ripe grain, the last threshold, threshold number five, when a seed in a soul is ready for harvest. And that person crosses from the kingdom of this world into the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit works and they have this realization, this isn't just good news about Jesus, this is good news for me. This has personal application. And they actually change their mind. That's what the Bible calls repentance. Change your mind. They decide, you know what? I have been in charge of my life for all these years. And you know what? I am letting go and I'm putting Jesus in control. I am finally believing that he is the sinless son of God, that my life is better with him as Lord and Savior. And so Jesus, you be Lord, you be boss of my life. And they're born again. They're a baby Christian with a whole new set of values. That's what happened to Kelly. Lord is simply planted the seed. I love that picture because all she does is plant the seed, liquid watered it a little bit, but God made it grow and now it's harvest time. And guys, that's the goal according to Jesus. He's like, man, the harvest is huge. He's like, you know what? People repenting of their, of their smaller stories and taking up a better story, life, living as a follower of Christ in the kingdom of God. Guys, that's what we pray for 
At least I pray for for you every week at Liquid. My prayer is that the gospel will take root in your life, in the deep soil of your heart, and eventually produce fruit. Jesus said, others, like seeds sown on good soil, they hear the word, they accept it, they take it into themselves, and they produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some what? A hundred times what was sown. See, you never know. You may just plant a couple seeds, and it may have this ripple effect. A lot of people, don't you dare think like, well, Tim, I can never do that. I'm like not a natural evangelist. I get it. You're very natural talking with people. Ah, you may be like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm a brand new Christian. I can't do this. I've been saved, you know, only a year or so. Stop. The reality is some of the best evangelists are brand new believers who are just babies in the faith. You know why? Because it's fresh to them. They didn't grow up in the church. They didn't kind of sit and soak for a decade, you know, and now faith is stale. The change for them is obvious and organic, and they naturally want to tell others about what Christ has done for them. And guys, you can do that anywhere. You can do that in a backyard barbecue. You could do it having coffee at Starbucks with a friend. The point is, we're supposed to keep company with non-Christians and scatter seeds wherever we go, work, school, the gym. So let me ask you this. Do you do that? Do you actually keep company with non-Christian people? Or are you living in a Christian bubble where, you know, all your friends are just from church or all your friends are just in your small group? By the way, which are great. Those are, those are awesome. Those are necessary for you to grow. But Jesus says, I'm calling my followers to build bridges to non-believers, step out of your comfort zone, and be intentional about taking risks for the gospel. You got to believe the Holy Spirit is working, and God wants to reach people even more than you do. You know, one of the big, best examples I've found is with uh, Magic Mike. If you don't know, uh, Magic Mike is actually Pastor Mike. Would you give him a hand? He's pastor over all of our campuses. Thank hey, you, Mikey. It's nice to uh, see you again. <laughs> Thanks for cleaning yourself up a little bit. Uh, you know, Mike and I, we started this church, you know, together 10 years ago. And one of the things, I, like Mike personally, that I love is that I feel like you really take risks for, for the gospel with your neighbors. Uh, Mike and Tara are amazing, but you have a ton of non-Christian friends. And, you know, uh, tell us a little bit how you do that. How are you intentional? Yeah, so my wife Tara and I are three uh, girls who are in high school, one's heading off to college uh, this year, but we live in Scotch Plains, and so we just try to be very natural uh, with our neighbors. So I work out at the local YMCA, which is kind of fun. I coach rec sports in town. Uh, we like to hang out at the school events as parents, the sporting concerts, things like that. Um, but the thing that's important is that if people are ever going to trust Christ in their personal lives, they have to learn to trust someone else, another human being who actually has Christ in their life. And so we just got to be normal. Like we're normal, like we got issues like everybody else. And tell us about like one, you know, when you think of your neighborhood, tell us about like one family or person that you're kind of, you know, planting seeds yes, with. Absolutely. Uh, it'd have to be coach. Susan. Uh, so all my girls play uh, volleyball. Uh, and so this is uh, Coach Susan with my daughter, uh, Callan. Um, and then uh, also uh, her husband is a history teacher in the school district. And so at the end of last year's volleyball season, I uh, went up to Susan and I said, hey, is there any shot like we could get dinner with you and your husband? We'd love to thank you for investing so much in the lives of our kids. My middle daughter plays volleyball as well. And they're like, yeah, sure. So uh, we went out and had dinner. 
Uh, and so over the course of dinner, they said, hey, what's with those service trips that your uh, kids talk about, like a missions trip? Uh, kind of as parents, we're really interested to hear more about those. They talk about it in school or on the practice court or whatever. And I was like, yeah, awesome. And guys, what's happening is they're not just treating us or trusting us as people. They're starting to trust us as parents. They have two little kids of their own. And so they're asking about what's that like for your family? And so, you know, I got all excited. I was like, hey, what about if we took the girls varsity volleyball team on a missions trip to the Dominican Republic? Would you guys be interested? We could talk about character of the team. My wife's like kicking me under the table, <laughs> right? And I'm like, what? Uh, yes. Now that's kind of a crazy idea. There, are they... Christians? They're not uh, believers, right? They're not Christians, actually. Uh, Coach Susan is a self-proclaimed uh, atheist, okay. uh, and her husband, the history teacher, uh, would probably fall in the skeptics camp, like okay. a bit of an agnostic, if you will. And so I think that's why my, why my wife was kicking me. She's like, you know, like the whole atheist thing, right? I was like, nah, it'd be great. Sounds so, so good. <laughs> so, like... So did this actually, like a missions trip with atheists was your idea. Okay, this is clarified yeah, here. Not on purpose, but yeah, yeah, so yeah. So how yeah. did that work out? Did it actually happen? <laughs> I can't believe it. To make a long story short, not only did Susan and Don say yes, um, the school district said yes, go figure. We had 10 parents say yes, uh, and their kids raised all their money. And so three weeks ago, Susan and Don, my wife Tara and I, and 10 volleyball players from the high school, we traveled to La Javia, the Dominican Republic, and worked on a service project for a week, putting a playground on the back of a kind of a church slash school. It was amazing. Absolutely, Absolutely amazing. So like, that's amazing. Yeah, give me a hand. That's, that's pretty incredible. Like when I look at that picture, honestly, like I look, this is the continuum, right? So we've got, yes. you know, a born again, you know, pastor over here, you know, atheist, all along the spiritual uh, spectrum here. How did it kind of turn out? What was the experience uh, like? I got more than I bargained for. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> let me explain that. So over the course of the week, you know, I think we have a picture of, you know, Don and I, right? It's hot. You're working hard. And we're with this Christian organization. Um, but the Christians started to act a little bit like Christians at times, like a little judgmental, a little rigid. And then the non-Christians started to act a little bit like non-Christians. And so instead of frustrated, they're starting to get like pissed. They're starting to drop like F-bombs. And I'm like, ooh, this is happening. This is on. And at one point during the week, I'm like, now whose idea was this? I, this may have yeah. not been the best idea. Right, 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 right. So how did it turn out? Did you convert everybody and then you baptize them? Like what happened? Let me say we all grew a lot. They grew a lot. We grew a lot. And I think the thing that's really important that happened, Tim, is that over the course of the week, I was trying to micromanage this process, okay. right? It's a little bit like you were talking about with the seeds. Like I was trying to control the process. I wanted to control the Christians, the non-Christians. And God's like, that's not your job. Um, but what was cool to watch is over the course of the week, and, and you were talking about these thresholds, right? They were moving from this distrust to trust of us as human beings mm. that they knew had this faith thing. And they were moving from complacency to curiosity in terms of their faith. And so the, the payoff moment was at the airport. On the way back, we had this you know, layover in Florida, and so we're sharing a meal, Tara and I and, and Susan and Don, and they said, guys, we just got to ask, something's different. You notice during the week you acted a little bit different in some of the environments that we did, 
what is that? Is that like that faith thing? And I was like, oh, guys, that's so nice that you would say that. I said, yeah, we'd like to believe that that's our relationship with Christ, that, hey, we're normal like you. We get frustrated, grumpy, pissed, the whole thing. But God helps us to live, react differently because God's spirit's inside us. And so what was happening is those, those seeds that were being planted, um, God was watering and he was growing. And so I would like to ask, you know, if you guys think of Coach Susan and, uh, you know, our husband Don, the high school English or a history teacher, would you pray for them, for that the seeds that we had the privilege of getting part, you know, be part of planting, that God's spirit would grow that, and they'd say yes to it. Amen. I, lo- I love how intentional Mike is. You know, clearly you have a heart for your neighbors, and uh, I'm inspired, but you're inspired by Mike. Can you thank Mikey? Absolutely. Thank you, Mike. Thanks. Appreciate that example, buddy. You know, it's funny, when Mike told me about that, it was, it was very interesting because those thresholds we talked about, like he just mentioned, they moved from distrusting not only... Uh, uh, you know, Jesus, God, but distrusting Christians to now trusting actually Mike and Tara, who are fairly normal, right? They see, hey, they have the same struggles, same joys as we do, but they, they navigate life differently. What is that? And then Mike and Tara were able to point them to Jesus, moving from complacency about that to curious, well, how do you, how do you have that? Like, is it just about not swearing? Oh, no, 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 no. It's so much more. God gives us a, he gives us peace. He gives us a reservoir actually to, to, um, have strength even in these challenging situations. And they start rubbing shoulders and all of a sudden the seed begins to grow. That to me is such a stretch when I talked to Mike when he told me about that. I'm like, you know, missions trip with atheists. To me, to me the question is more like, do you actually know any non-believers? Do you have people who you love, who you're being intentional about? They don't share your faith yet, but you may be the only Christian they know and they may, you may be the closest that they get They're never going to open God's word. They're not going to read the Bible, but they're going to read you. So here's a question. Are you living in a way that elicits questions? That actually people are like, what's different about you? Are are you taking risks for the gospel? Do you stretch out of your comfort zone? You know, last week I asked you, I said, write down the name of one person who God has put in your path that you could share your faith with this summer. Do you remember that, that person, right? Think of their name. Think of their face. You wrote down their first name. Let me ask you, how did it go this week? How did it go? You know, I know, silence. Uh, my guess is, right, maybe 10% of you did something about it. Again, no guilt. Again, that's reality, right? We all live busy lives. But we want to make this simple so that we didn't just sit here, you know, talking about sharing our faith this summer. But we're like, you know what? We want to give you the tools so you could plant at least one seed this summer and maybe see a harvest this fall. Because you don't have to go to the Dominican Republic, okay, to have a conversation about Christ. You can have one while playing cornhole or down the beach or at a block party. That's relational evangelism. But there's another type of evangelism that we value at Liquid that's invitational. What we call it at Liquid is invest and invite. And the idea behind this is very simple. We're partners. You and the church, we partner together to plant a seed. Here's your role. You do the investing. You invest in relationships with non-Christians in your everyday life. Just like Lourdes did with Kelly, a coworker, a buddy at the gym, that other mom at your yoga class, you just invest in building a relationship of trust. In other words, be normal, don't be weird, okay? And then every couple months, we as a church, we're going to create an experience where you can be proud to invite them to church in a natural way. And say, hey, you want to come to church with me this Sunday? Invest and invite. Invest in relationships with non-Christians, then invite them to church for a special experience. 
That special experience is happening next Sunday. Next Sunday, we are starting a special summer series called At the Movies, which I'm very excited for. Anybody else like movies here? Okay. This is the perfect opportunity for you to invite that one person, that one name or face that God's put in your, uh, in your mind for an experience that's going to be super fun. I guarantee they won't forget. We're going to make this very, very simple for you. This morning, we're actually going to give you a personal invitation to give to somebody to at the movie. So ushers are coming forward at every campus. Would you guys go ahead? Go ahead and pass those cards out. I want everybody to take at least one invitation and then pass it down your row. Maybe you have two people you want to invite, or you're like, oh, I'm going to give these out to three or four coworkers. Take as many as you need, okay? This is the invitation to at the movies. I want to tell you what to expect next Sunday. Uh, On the back here is what it says. It says, lights, uh, camera, action. Join us as we kick off a new series called At the Movies that explores the truth behind Hollywood's biggest hits. From Wonder Woman to The Shack to The Guardians of the Galaxy, we're going to watch movie clips and watch this. Eat free popcorn in church. Invite your friends and family. Now, let me tell you about this series. Uh, In college, I'm a movie buff. Uh, In college, I was an English major, but I was actually a film minor. And I spent part of my senior year actually working in a screenwriting department at a uh, studio out in Hollywood. And so this is a passion because I love how movies can kind of get at spiritual truths and show them in a cinematic way. So here's what the series is. It is a five-week series, and for five weeks, we're going to look at five Hollywood hits and explore the deeper spiritual truth behind each film. So do you have a non-Christian friend or a coworker who likes the movies? Because we're going to have something for everyone. I want to give you the lineup of movies so that you know which week to invite them. I actually put this in your program today in the notes. Uh, week one, next week, we're starting with Hacksaw Ridge. Anybody see this movie? Awesome. Directed by Mel Gibson. Now, put Mel Gibson aside, all right? No, he can be controversial. I get that, all right? Guys, this is one of the best World War II movies I've ever seen. It is the true story of Desmond Doss, who was a follower of Jesus. He was a conscientious objector in World War II. And so he was a pacifist. He says, I'm not going to hold a gun but I don't want out of the war. Put me on the front line. I'm going to be a medic. And so while everybody out there is killing people and taking life, I'm going to be saving lives. Incredible story. One of the best uh, depictions I've seen. I want to whet your appetite for next Sunday. Watch this. I'm sorry, Sergeant. I can't touch a gun. You're a conscientious objector. She don't kill. No, sir. I think this is cowardice. You are free to run into battle without a weapon to protect yourself. I'm gonna get you home. Fall back! I did this. That's the coward. Help me get one more. Hacksaw Ridge. That's next Sunday. It is gonna be riveting. I hope you're here for it. We're gonna show clips, we're gonna have popcorn, all that kind of stuff. Week two, we're gonna look at Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, the Marvel movie actually has some serious themes. I, I can't remember all the characters. There's uh, Star-Lord, uh, Rocket Raccoon, this green lady. I, don't, I honestly don't remember her name. The, you know what? At the end, of, This is Nithin's problem. He got to preach this one, man. I don't... That's just... I can't. Uh, week three, my favorite movie this year, Wonder Woman. Any Wonder Woman fans is here for Wonder Woman? We're going to talk about the Bible's view of women. Because, yeah, so um, this isn't wear your gold cuffs, buddy. Uh, Far from oppressing women, it's very interesting. If you look at the Bible, Jesus transformed and really challenged a lot of the first century 
biases and restrictions on women. A lot of people think, you know, oh, Christianity is oppressive. You'll be shocked. If you actually look historically, Christianity was the first major faith to actually champion females and shatter a lot of the cultural taboos. And so um, instead of just having like a dude stand up here and talk about, you know, Wonder Woman, um, we're going to have up here, we're going to have a panel of three female guests. These are three real-life Wonder Woman leaders in our church, okay, on stage for this special message, all right? So Wonder Woman, week three. Week four is the movie Lion. Have you seen this? If not, go out, rent it. You don't even have to rent it. It's on Netflix now, all right? This is, this is one of the best movies of the year. It's a smaller indie film starring Dev Patel. It's the true story of a little boy in India who gets separated from his family, but then he embarks on a lifelong quest to find his family using Google Earth. Uh, true story, very powerful. Bring your handkerchiefs, your tissues. It's, it's a tearjerker. But week four is Lion, and then we're going to end the series week five with The Shack. How many of you have read the book The Shack? Okay, how many have burned the book? Uh, okay, I, it can be a little controversial. All right, I get that. Uh, it's a New York Times bestseller. It's, it's actually a runaway uh, uh, hit. But this is really about the story of a guy named Mac whose life is swallowed by tragedy. And then one weekend, he gets this mysterious invitation to meet this mysterious family, a black woman named Papa, uh, his son Jesus, uh, and the Asian Sarayu, who is kind of like the Holy Spirit. It's probably unlike any depiction of the Trinity you've seen. Uh, it is a creative piece of fiction, also controversial. So we're going to use the shack as kind of a springboard to look what the Bible says about the Holy Trinity and where's God when, when we suffer. So if you have a family or a member or a friend who read the book, saw the movie, invite them to the shack week five. All you have to do over the next couple weeks is give that person this invite card and say, hey, our church is doing this thing called At the Movies next Sunday. They're going to give out free popcorn. You want to come with me? That's literally it. Believe it or not, people are more ready than you realize. So many people, there are people sitting in your row here today. They started their journey with this simple invitation. Hey, you want to come to church with me? It's a very simple but effective evangelism tool. So guys, this really is, we want to give you an opportunity to put into practice what we have been talking about for two weeks. Instead of grilling your friends about Jesus, could you just invest in a normal relationship and invite them to church? A simple invitation to the movies could be a catalyst for them crossing into the kingdom of God, like Kelly did, right? What, what, what I think about Kelly and Lourdes is a beautiful picture because Lourdes just like did this. Lourdes invested in relationship. Throw their picture up there. She shared her story. She encouraged her friend. She prayed with her friend, and then she invited her to liquid. And guess what? God watered that seed, made it grow. And now Kelly is actually being used by God to reach the friends in her life. In fact, a couple of weeks ago at Liquid on the Lawn, guess what? She brought a friend to church. Isn't that cool? That's how God's kingdom grows. I, I love and I share Jesus with you and, and you love and you share Jesus with those in your life and we get to go on the journey together. We all got a part to play, guys. So this summer, we're gonna scatter some seeds together and trust God for the growth. So can I challenge you? Who's that person God put on your heart last week? This week, would you invite them to at the movie series. It starts next Sunday. It runs through August. You've got a personal invitation in your hands. You can pick up extra ones on your way out. Take as many as you need, and we're going to see a harvest this fall. Amen? Let's pray together. Father God, as we step out to take risks and invite our friends this summer, God, I pray that you would remind us that you're already there. You're already at work in their life. The Holy Spirit is on the scene working, and so it's not up to us. The pressure's off, God. 
I pray that you would give us the courage just to, to reach out and stretch, but trust you to bring the growth. God, this summer, I pray that you would encourage us to be bold and point people to your son, Jesus. He's our savior, God. He's changed my life, and I want that for those that I love. So Holy Spirit, we ask, would you just open doors, start conversations, and let us see a harvest of new believers in the weeks to come. In Jesus' name and the Holy Spirit's power, everyone said together, amen. amen.